Hi, my name's Nick Smith, founder and creator of Part-Time Pilot. Now, after three years, five flight instructors, and over $22,000 out of my bank account, I was finally able to achieve my dream and become a private pilot. Now, I have a bachelor's and master's in aerospace engineering and over 10 years experience as a flight test engineer. So if it was that difficult for someone like me, no wonder eight out of 10 student pilots never end up becoming a pilot. So this is why I created Part-Time Pilot, and this is why I'm creating this podcast. This podcast will be your audio ground school and just another way part-time pilot is making flight training easier and more consumable for you. So with over 300 students and counting that have used our content to pass the FAA private pilot exams, I hope that you can use this podcast to become the next student to do so. So thank you and I hope you enjoy listening to the part-time pilot Audio Ground School Podcast. Hey pilots, this is Nick again. Did you guys know that Part-Time Pilot now has a private pilot test prep book that you can buy on Amazon? It's a physical book that you can buy on Amazon to help prep for your FAA written exam. So it's like the other test prep books out there, you know, the Jepson, Asa, or the Gleam, Glime, however you pronounce it. It's just like those, but I called ours the ultimate private pilot test prep because not only does it give you a synopsis of each subject, like the cliff notes, like those other books do, and then it gives you FAA written questions to practice and quiz yourself on to, to prep for the test, but it also goes much, much further, and that's why we call it the ultimate private pilot test prep book. So for each subject, it also has a QR code so that as you're reading it, if you want more information, you can scan the QR code on your phone or your tablet and it will immediately pull up a YouTube video that you can watch on the subject. There's also QR codes in there for additional downloads including FAA, PDFs, subject area checklists, and more PDFs from us that you can download for free. It also includes a coupon code and QR code where you can go enroll in online practice tests for free and receive the PDF version of the book completely free. All that is with simple, easy to use QR codes inside the book. And then we also, not only does it have the cliff notes of all the information, but it also includes mnemonic devices and visual aids, such as diagrams, tables, and images that are labeled, such as like a METAR that is labeled every single thing that is included and deciphered in the METAR or a TAF. Also the performance chart, step-by-step labeled steps on performance calculation charts so it's not just cliff note bullet points it's that plus much much more these visual aids all in 404 pages in the ultimate private pilot test prep book and it is only 37 dollars so you can go check that out on amazon i'll put a link in the show notes so go check it out Hello and welcome to the Audio Ground School Podcast. My name is Nick Smith, the host of the podcast and founder and creator of parttimepilot.com, where we help student pilots achieve their dream of flight 
as easily and affordably as possible. All right, guys, so this episode is dropping on like March 27th or so. And in our last episode, we covered stalls. And then the one before that, we covered lift. We're in the fundamentals of aerodynamics section of the ground school. So if you're following along in the ground school, just go to your course labeled step one online ground school private pilot lessons from your dashboard. And then check out section seven fundamentals of aerodynamics. And we are on starting lesson four on spins and we're probably going to get through that and then maybe we'll get to lesson five and six on weight and thrust and then after that we'll get into drag and stuff like that so exciting stuff really in-depth look at the fundamentals of aerodynamics that's my background as an aerospace engineer so i kind of nerd out on this stuff a little bit but i appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to the podcast and i have a few announcements before we get started please if you haven't subscribed please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast it really helps us out just in terms of getting seen on the different podcast apps and something like I think I saw like 70% of the people that listen to the podcast aren't actually subscribers so if you could just subscribe then you get kind of notified I know on my iPhone with the Apple podcast I get notified when there's a new new episode and then it kind of automatically downloads which is great because sometimes I'll go to you know I'll go on a flight or whatever where I don't have internet service and having those already downloaded if I forgot to download them is really really helpful so please go ahead and subscribe leave us a good review if you can too that helps us out a lot the next thing and i mentioned this last episode part-time pilot is going to have a presence at oshkosh this year that's a big air show in oshkosh wisconsin so if you are going and you are interested in getting a free t-shirt and $25 and then possibly a lot more money by simply just being there there's a link in the show notes to sign up for Oshkosh waitlist. We got a ton of people interested in this already, so we're probably not going to select everybody that signs up to the waitlist, but the waitlist will be your only chance to have a chance to sign up for that. When you sign up for the waitlist, you'll get the emails and the information of what we're gonna do. Essentially, if you get signed up, we'll send you a free t-shirt. It's gonna have a QR code on it. It's gonna be a cool t-shirt. We're working on trying to make it a cool t-shirt, but it's gonna have a QR code on it that's specific to you. If you want the free t-shirt, that's all you have to do. You just have to sign up give us your address we'll send you the free t-shirt you could never talk to us again if you wanted just a free t-shirt that's fine then if you want 25 dollars, you just got to take a picture of yourself in the t-shirt while at oshkosh and i'll send you 25 dollars. okay literally the only thing you've done is taking a picture of yourself which who doesn't like doing that and then chance to make a lot more so that qr code on your shirt actually going to take people to free pilot training tools okay so i'm setting it up to have no matter what part of the journey they're in whether they're just getting started or wondering how to get started the steps to get started and get signed up as a student pilot or if they are already studying and they maybe want some some free study material or they're preparing for their final check ride. We're gonna have something free for whoever they are, whatever part of the journey they are, at this QR code. So all you have to do is say, hey, do you want free pilot training tools? Just scan this QR code. That's all you have to do to people. And if they scan that QR code and then they end up purchasing our online ground school, you get 33% of the sale. So this is a one thing, time thing we're doing. I had this idea, I thought it was pretty cool. I couldn't make it to Oshkosh myself, so I wanted to have a presence there. And I thought, hey, why not give my listeners, my audience, loyal peeps, a chance to make some money as well as spread the good word of part-time pilot. So I thought it was a cool idea. I don't know, it seems pretty easy. Uh, a lot of people interested in it because I guess people like free t-shirts and, and free money. So if that is you, then go ahead and sign up with the waitlist in the show notes. That's that. That's all I want to say there. So now we can get started. 
on the episode for today. Again, this is episode, what is this? Episode number, number 35. And we are in section seven, lesson four of the online ground school on spins. If you're not in the online ground school, I highly recommend supplementing these audio lessons. We are now putting the audio lessons in the lessons themselves. So you can take out all this mumbo jumbo that I'm saying right now and just hear the lesson part right above the lesson. So you can read the lesson, you can see all the diagrams, the mnemonic devices, the step-by-step examples, but then you can also click listen and just listen to it. Then you can take the quiz, watch the videos, all that good stuff. So it's going to be catered to every single learning type. So if you're not in the online ground school, go check that out, www.parttimepilot.com. All right, guys, let's get started on section seven, lesson four on spins. A spin is a stall with auto rotation about the vertical axis that is caused by a stall plus a yaw simultaneously. All right, that is quite a few things to, to say in one sentence, but let's break it down. Remember the vertical axis, okay? Yaw is movement about the vertical axis. So we had our marshmallow aircraft. We stuck our roasting stick right through the top of the fuselage. And then when we rotate that roasting stick, the aircraft turns to the left, the nose turns to the left or the right, and the tail follows. That is yaw. It's movement about that vertical axis. So a spin is a stall. So you have a stall with auto rotation about the vertical axis that is caused by that stall. So that auto rotation about that vertical axis is called by that stall plus a yaw simultaneously. The difference between a spiral and a spin, so you may hear of spirals or death spirals or something like that when you're flying or talking to people in aviation. The difference between a spiral and a spin is that there is no stalling in a spiral. So these last few sentences that I've said are key things that might be asked on the FAA written. They might ask, what's the difference between a spiral and a spin? I think I was asked that on my actual check ride. And the difference is that there's actually no stalling in a spiral. The critical angle of attack has yet to be exceeded in a spiral and the wings are still receiving attached flow. So again, if you missed last episode on stalls, you're going to need to listen to that to understand what we're talking about here in this episode. So go back to the last episode, listen to stalls because it talks about the critical angle of attack and how when that's exceeded, that causes a stall and all that and how that works. So go check that out. But in a spiral, the critical angle of attack has yet to be exceeded and the wings are still receiving attached flow. In a spin, the aircraft is in a full stall, not a partial stall. So that's another sort of uh, rumor or misnomer about a spin is that it's a partial stall on one wing or something like that. But that is not true as well. Aircraft is in a full stall, not a partial stall in a spin. The stalls on either wing are just asymmetrical. So that's kind of where the confusion comes from, meaning they're not stalled the same amount. And that's sort of what leads to the auto rotation. So it means one wing is more stalled than the other, but they still are both stalled, which leads to the spinning motion. So you get a differential of forces on that you're stalled and you get that auto rotation about the vertical axis. A spin can be entered from any flight attitude and from almost any airspeed. So that again, there's so many gems of sentences in this one paragraph here in the online ground school that are going to make you a safe pilot. And so it's very key that you understand this stuff, but a spin can be entered from any flight attitude and from almost any airspace. So we always got to look out for this. Your turn from base to final is one of the most common times for a pilot to get into a spin as well as a normal stall. Unfortunately, this usually ends up in a crash due to the average spin recovery needing up to 1200 feet of altitude. So in order to, if you're like right 
So this is the average, right? So you could do it a little bit. You could recover in less altitude loss than this, but the average, you know, by the time you realize you're in a stall, by the time you react, by the time you start thinking, okay, what's my spin recovery checklist? And you start implementing that, the altitude loss that you have in that condition is going to be, by the time you, you get out of that condition, you're going to have lost an average of 1200 feet of altitude. So that's why when we're on base to final in a traffic pattern, that's about a thousand feet above ground. That is a very, very dangerous spot to get in a spin. And it's also a common spot to get into a spin. So we really have to make sure we hit our air speeds. We have coordinated turns when we're in the pattern flying low and slow. All right. When you are low and slow, you want to avoid uncoordinated turns at all costs. I just said that another common time for a spin to occur is after takeoff when a pilot needs to make a hard bank either to return to the airport in an emergency or for some other reason. So one thing that you really see this on is when these pilots are overcorrecting, right? So let's say you're turning base to final, but you're low and slow and you overshot turn and you have to get back onto final real quickly. So you overcompensate on the turn. You maybe get in cross controls or something like that. And just when you're low and slow and you're uncoordinated because you maybe overshot or something, that is sort of the situation that leads to these, these very dangerous spins. And the number one way to avoid that, again, is to have these coordinated turns, maintain the exact air speeds we're looking for in the past pattern. If you do overshoot or anything like that, just go around. Don't risk it at those low and slow speeds and situations. So that's that's my little spiel on that. Uh, to recover from a spin, we need to understand what is happening during the spin. The wings are stalled and thus the flow over the wings is separated. This means that the ailerons are not as effective as in normal flight. Power from the aircraft's propeller is aiding in the rotation speed of the aircraft. Therefore, the first thing a pilot should do do when they realize they're in a spin is to reduce power immediately. Then a pilot should attempt to level the wings with ailerons, but do not try to bank out of the spin. In order to counteract the spin, a pilot should use full rudder against the direction of spin. So, right. So if you use the right rudder pedal, that's going to turn your nose to the right. So if you're spinning to the left, then you would want to use the right rudder pedal against. That's what that means, right? Opposite the direction of spin. Finally, a pilot can use their elevator to pitch down and gain airspeed and flow over the wings. Once a safe airspeed is reached, a pilot can add full power and recover from the dive by climbing at a safe velocity. A mnemonic device to remember this spin recovery is PAIR, P-A-R-E, PAIR and recover. So PAIR, the P stands for power, immediately reduce power to idle. A stands for ailerons, level your wings with neutral ailerons. R stands for rudder, full rudder against the direction of spin to combat rotation of the aircraft. The E stands for elevator, use your elevator by pitching down to gain airspeed and recover from stall. Reduce rudder input once spin has stopped. And then recover, once a safe airspeed is reached, add full power and climb at best rate or best angle of climb, VX or VY. So that is the the spin recovery checklist that you're gonna wanna remember using pair the mnemonic device pair now if you're just going through ground school and you're not in flight training yet don't worry too much about this this is something that you're going to learn with your flight instructor in flight training but it's a good thing to understand what is happening during a spin the differences between a spin and a spiral and sort of you know that uh, a spin is stall asymmetric stalls on both wings causing auto rotation so rather than just a, a normal stall recovery you have to stop that rotation so that's kind of the differences there that are important to remember as you go into flight training, give you kind of a leg up when your flight instructor starts talking about it. 
All right, so that's it on the lesson on spins. The Most of the stuff you're going to learn about spins will be in your flight training. The FA Written just covers a few questions on that, which we covered those key concepts and things you'll need to remember in this lesson. So let's move on to the next lesson on weight. Now, the first lesson of Section 7 on Fundamentals of Aerodynamics, we talked about the forces of flight. We talked about lift, weight, thrust, and drag. So we're kind of going over those again in a little bit more detail. We talked about lift and then we talked about stalls because it's very the loss of lift. So we wanted to throw that in there too. Same thing with spins. Now we're going to talk about weight, thrust, and drag. We'll probably just get to weight and thrust here and then drag's a little bit longer one. So we'll get to that maybe in the next episode. So without further ado, let's move on to lesson five, weight of section seven of the online ground school. Weight is the opposite force of lift. Weight is simply the downward force of gravity on a certain mass. So in the instance of an aircraft, the aircraft's mass times the gravitational constant gives you the force of weight downwards caused by that aircraft's mass in Earth's gravity. The center of gravity or CG of an aircraft may be considered as a point at which all the weight of an aircraft is concentrated. If an aircraft were supported exactly at its CG, it would be perfectly balanced. So if you could have a really, really strong, like super tiny point and you could set your aircraft directly on top of that point right exactly so that point is right on the cg it would be perfectly balanced but we'll get to this more about the cg of an aircraft and how you calculate that for your weight and balance when we get into cross-country planning but right now just remember weight is the force of gravity on an aircraft's mass and it opposes the force of lift now you're probably asking yourself well then what the hell is the difference between weight and mass when i weigh myself on a scale is that my weight or my mass why do we call it weight it's actually your mass, but almost everyone wrongly states it as their weight, at least in the United States. In scientific terms, your weight is what you measure yourself on the scale times the gravitational constant. For example, if you weighed yourself on the scale and you see 80 kilograms, your force of weight is 80 kilograms times the gravitational constant of 9.8 meters per second squared. So in terms of an aircraft, the aircraft's mass is what is measured on the scale and written in the pilot operating handbook as an empty weight or gross weight. Yes, they still say weight. I know that's confusing, even though it's a mass. And the aircraft weight, or the force of weight, which we're talking about, is actually that mass, the empty weight mass, it should be called empty mass. So that mass times 9.8 meters per second squared. If we wanted to calculate the force of aircraft's weight using pounds instead of kilograms like we do in the United States, where our unit of mass is pounds, we would use a different gravitational constant other than 9.8. But don't worry, you won't ever have to calculate this. This is simply to help with your understanding. So if your aircraft was 1,000 kilograms, your force of weight would be 1,000 kilograms times 9.8 meters per second squared, or 9,800 kilograms meters per second squared of force. So 9,800 units of force. Lift is required to counteract the aircraft's weight. In stabilized level flight, when the lift force is equal to the weight force, the aircraft is in a state of equilibrium and neither accelerates up or down. So you don't go up in the altitude or you don't go down in the altitude when lift equals weight. Therefore, in order to fly, your aircraft wings would need to generate equal to or more than that 9,800 units of force. So that's what I wanted you guys to get out of this lesson here is, okay, weight opposes lift and it's the weight force. And the weight force is that mass times the gravitational 
constant. And that kind of tells you how much lift you're going to have to create to maintain flight. It's a balance of the forces here and lift, it's lift versus weight. And that's what I wanted you to get out of this lesson here. There's not many questions about this specifically on the FA Ridden, but I threw it into our course because I think it helps give you a better understanding of what's going on in flight. Okay, so that was our lesson on weight. Now let's move on to lesson six on thrust. This is in section seven, Fundamentals of Aerodynamics. Lesson six on thrust. Thrust is the aerodynamic force that propels an aircraft forward. For an aircraft to start moving forward, the thrust has to be greater than the drag. Then, in order to keep the aircraft at a constant airspeed, the thrust has to equal the drag. If thrust is greater than drag, the aircraft will accelerate, which is a positive change in airspeed. Airspeed increases. If thrust is less than drag, the aircraft will decelerate, negative change in airspeed. Just as lift and weight must be equal in order to maintain a constant altitude, thrust and drag must be equal to maintain a constant airspeed. Therefore, for straight, level, and unaccelerated flight, an aircraft's lift equals weight, its thrust equals its drag. So again, it's all a balance of forces. And now, before we were talking about lift versus weight, now we're talking about thrust versus drag. To think about thrust, I like to think about a rocket. A rocket has no wings and does not use the force of lift to escape the atmosphere. Instead, a rocket uses pure thrust to overtake the force of its weight and blast out of the atmosphere. Now, turn that rocket sideways and put some wings on it and you have an airplane, a super fast rocket plane for that matter. For our purposes, though, the thrust doesn't come out of a bunch of fuel and air fireballs coming out of the back of the airplane like a rocket. It comes from the propeller. The propeller cuts through the air just as wings do to provide lift, but instead Instead of in the vertical direction, the propeller provides the lift or thrust in the horizontal direction. Thrust is the forward force caused by the propeller. It's the same dynamics as lift on a wing. So take that episode and that lesson we talked about lift and how the airfoil of a wing, it creates a pressure differential above and below it because of that shape of the airfoil. A propeller, if you cut the cross section of a propeller, it also has an airfoil. But instead of traveling through you know, the air, along with the motion of your aircraft, it's perpendicular to that motion and it's cutting through the air perpendicular, just like a propeller would do in water. But it's still doing the same thing. When it spins around, it's cutting through that air and creating a pressure differential in front of and behind the propeller blades. That pressure differential creates that forward propeller motion, that forward force, just like lift. It's basically lift, but in the forward direction caused by that spinning propeller. Without thrust, an airplane is just a glider. A glider will slowly descend to the ground without the help of wind or thrust or thermal vents or something like that. Once you add a thrusting propeller, you can maintain altitude and are now considered an airplane. Furthermore, you can add more thrust to increase your speed and get places much faster. So that is thrust. The key parts of thrust I want you to understand and the reason I put this lesson in here, again, not many questions on the FA written about thrust, if any, but the things I wanted you to remember is that it opposes drag when they are in equilibrium. It's a balance of the forces, right? When they're in equilibrium, the same amount of drag and thrust, you're going to have a constant airspeed. When thrust is more, you're going to accelerate. When thrust is less than drag, you're going to decelerate.
decelerate. Then on top of that, thrust is created by the propeller and the propeller has airfoils just like the wings do, but it's done in a perpendicular direction from the wings, right? Instead of the wings creating a force up and down, right? A vertical force. It's a horizontal or lateral force created by the propeller spinning through that perpendicular plane. So that's what I want you to remember out of this lesson on thrust. Okay, so that is going to be the episode for today. It's a little bit shorter, I know, but we got through spins, we got through weight, we got thrust, and the next one is a bigger lesson, so I wanna save it for the next episode, and that's gonna be lesson seven on drag. We're gonna talk about the different types of drag, how they are created, and what you need to know about those types of drag for your FA written or your check ride oral exam. So we will get to section seven, fundamentals of aerodynamics, lesson seven drag, in the next episode. Thank you guys for listening and I will catch you next week. Hey guys, it's Nick. I want to take a second to speak directly to the student pilots out there. You might be a student pilot that is you know, wondering what to do next, how to get started, or maybe you're looking for the right ground training or flight training, or maybe you've already started ground training or flight training and you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're looking for a change, something to help get you out of that hurdle. From my own experience in flight training, after three years, five instructors and $22,000 and wanting to quit multiple, multiple times, and then now, after seeing hundreds and hundreds of student pilots through part-time pilot, I've realized that the number one thing that makes student pilots fail is that they do not have a good fundamental understanding of the ground training when they get to the more advanced flight lessons. Now, who here has seen Top Gun Maverick? Do you remember in the movie when he says, don't think, just do? Now, when I heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, this is brilliant because this is exactly what you have to be as a pilot. Now, of course, it's not that we're not thinking, but it's that we understand things like weather, aerodynamics, what our instruments are telling us, what ATC is telling us. We have such a good core fundamental understanding of these things that we don't have to think about them. And when we don't have to think about them, we can instinctively feel and fly the aircraft, look out for dangers and avoid emergency situations. If we do have to think about these things, it's going to put us behind mentally and we're going to be behind the aircraft. And when you're behind the aircraft mentally, bad things happen. And this happens when you don't have a good understanding of the ground school content. So now the first 10 to 15 hours of your flight training can go smooth, even if you don't have a good understanding of ground training, right? You can go up for a discovery flight, have a blast. You can go up, learn how to take off, learn how to land. You may be even able to solo for the first time, fly a plane for the first time, everything's great and dandy. But once you get into, you know, bad weather flying or flying at heavy, heavily trafficked airports or speaking with ATC for Bravo clearance or cross-country flight planning and flying solo on a cross-country flight, things get a little more advanced. And when this happens and you don't have a good understanding of the ground school concepts, you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna start to get behind the aircraft. And when this happens, if you have a good flight instructor, they're going to stop you and they're going to say, okay, we need to do one-on-one -on -one ground lessons. And now you're going to be paying your flight instructor to not even fly with you, but instead $50, $60, $70 an hour to just teach you the ground school content that you should already know. And, at, and the worst part is, is you're not flying with them. So the flight training that you gain, the currency, the proficiency that you gain is going to be lost and you're going to have to redo those lessons. What happens to most student pilots is they 
continuously hit these mental blocks where they get behind the aircraft, they start making mistakes, and then they catch up with the ground knowledge only to have that happen again. And they start to get in this vicious cycle of having to redo trainings and repay for trainings until it gets to the point where them or their family, they finally say, you know what, this has to stop. We can no longer afford the training costs uh, without any progress, you know, and they end up quitting. Now, so how do we avoid that? Well, here comes part-time pilot. Again, I said I went through my own experience of this and I realized that most flight training and ground training is not tailored to the modern day student pilot. And when I say modern day student pilot, I should say modern day part-time student pilot because let's face it, there's a very small percentage of us that can go and dedicate 24 seven, 365 to our flight training or not even miss a beat and be able to pay for flight training without working. So most of us have a full-time job or maybe a part-time job. We have kids, we have family, we have school. We have all these other responsibilities on top of flight training. And most of these flight trainings and ground trainings are not tailored towards you. And so how is it the part-time pilot tailors to the modern day student pilot? Well, the first way we do that is by keeping ground school interesting. You wanna avoid being boring, you wanna avoid that burnout. So how we do that is we present our material in multiple, multiple ways. And you're actually listening to one of them right now. You can consume our content via this podcast and an audio recording. You can do this while you're running, while you're driving in traffic. Again, tailoring to that busy part-time student pilot. Or you can read through our written lessons. You know, I like to read, so for those of you that like to read, you can read through the lessons. You can see the step-by-step examples and the procedures that we have. Or you can look through our study guide and see our diagrams and mnemonic devices. Have that visual cue, those visual cues and aids that help further your understanding. Or you can watch our videos. Or you can take our quizzes and practice tests to reinforce what you just learned. And then finally, you can join us live weekly for our live Q&A and our live lessons so you can see in real time these things taught out and these examples done in real time. And then finally, you can utilize our group community to form study groups, get questions answered 24-7. All of this is tailored for the modern day student pilot to keep ground school interesting, keep it from being boring, keep from having that burnout, and to find ways that you can consume the content throughout your busy schedule. And guess what? It works. We've had over 350 student pilots come through, take and pass their FAA exams without a single student failing. That's right. A single student has yet to tell me that they failed either their FAA written or their FAA checkride. So that is just proof in the pudding right there that our concepts, the way we explain things in plain written English, and the way we give you multiple ways to consume this content is working. So if this sounds like something you might be interested and you want to come join us, we'd love to have you. Just go to www.parttimepilot.com, click on Online Ground School, and we'll see you inside the Online Ground School. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.